Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. It was a real honor for me to interview Anders, the Coast FI Guy. And you can learn more about him and his story at coastfiguy.com. And so today's episode is a tribute to everything Coast Fi. So what is Coast Fi and why is it something that you should definitely consider? Coast Fi is, I guess, a little bit of the opposite of the standard fire journey. So your standard fire journey is do it as quickly as possible, go on all four cylinders and try and get there and burn out as much as you can, hustle, 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 and then you eventually get there and you can finally relax. And with Coast Fi, we could almost do the opposite of that. We can start relaxing a heck of a lot sooner. The basic concept is really, really simple. We effectively calculate how much we need today in order for that amount to compound. So when we hit our traditional retirement age, say 65 years of age, that we will have enough in our portfolio to cover our retirement. The trick being that we look to get to that level as quickly as possible. And now we don't need to make any further contributions to our portfolio. Savings effectively becomes optional and we leave compounding to do the hard work for us. Effectively, then, we might only need to work part-time to cover our current annual expenses whilst our portfolio grows in the background and is left untouched until it reaches our required FI number. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that you won't continue to add contributions, but those contributions, whether you make them or not, don't really matter because, hey, either way, you've got retirement sorted. Unders adopted this approach in his early 30s and it's been a great thing for him to build a lifestyle first approach when it comes to his work-life balance. Just FYI there is a formula to calculate your coast fine number and it does depend on your expected return after inflation so do take that in mind when doing the calculations. I would typically recommend using a 5% annual return to be somewhat conservative. But of course, there is no crystal ball, but that doesn't necessarily matter. You see, Coast Fire could easily be seen as a step along the way to financial independence. I often see it as like driving along a motorway at full speed and thinking at some point you might decide to take the scenic route. And Coast Fire is effectively one of the early exits of the fire movement. I'll link to a couple of Coast Fire calculators in the show notes if you do want to have a look at how it works. But more importantly, let's jump over to the interview and introduce ourselves to Anders. First off, obviously, thank you so much for having me on. This is a, it's a fun treat for me. It's the first podcast that I've been a guest on. So this is, it's a new experience, but I'm, I'm really excited to kind of, you know, share a little bit about my journey with CoastFi and um, hopefully, you know, provide some some nuggets of wisdom or something that will help you and, and your listeners. Oh, brilliant, Anders. And look, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. First up, I'd love to tackle the why of Coast FI. 
What made you decide to pursue Coast Fi over, say, the normal traditional fire route? You know, kind of kind of backstory with me and and my journey with financial independence. I I first discovered the fire movement uh, probably six or seven years ago, um, back when I was working as an electrician, and it really resonated with me at the time because, frankly, I did not love the work that I was doing. I was good at it, and I made good money, and it felt like honest work, but. I never, I never woke up with this passion to go to work and wire up homes, and I, I was never that excited about the work I was doing. So naturally, when I heard about an entire movement of people that were trying to optimize their finances so they could retire early in their 40s and never have to work again, that felt like a direct fit for me. So I, I, I started to go down this path of financial independence and and reaching my fire number at a young age. And and I actually discovered along the way, I, I learned a couple of things. I learned, number one, I don't have to do work that I hate for the rest of my life. You know, at the time, like I said, I was an electrician, but I had always had this interest in personal finance. If we go way, way back to my my kind of early days, I was I first became interested in personal finance back in grade school. I actually had a teacher that uh, that had us read. I think it was just parts of Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And then after we read the book, we put together a mock budget. And I'll never forget. That was probably you know I was probably 12 years old at the time. But I had so much fun filling out this mock budget. And reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think for some reason, finance and and money just kind of clicked with my personality. And, you know, fast forward a little bit from there, you know, part of my money journey is um, I watched my parents, they, they did the best that they could with money, but the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009 hit our household really, really hard. It, you know, I, I watched my parents kind of lose everything from a financial perspective and uh, lost their home. We lost cars. We, you know, my, my dad lost his job. Everything in our life changed at that time. And I think really that instilled in me this this kind of desire to be financially bulletproof. I I wanted to get to a point in my life someday, you know, obviously I was I was just in high school at the time when that happened, but I realized very clearly how important it is to know how to manage your money to protect yourself from kind of the downsides of risk, kind of what can happen if you are over leveraged and don't have an emergency fund and all these different things. So I think that was a big part of why I became so interested in money uh, in my life. And then you know, back when I was working as an electrician, I like to say I was in the the school of Dave Ramsey at the time where I was listening to Dave Ramsey's podcast probably eight to nine hours a day, no kidding, on the job working as an electrician and just 
soaking up as much as I could about personal finance and how to manage money and how to stay out of debt and and kind of kind of how to live like the millionaire next door where you know you you've got your financial bases covered but you're not living this extravagant lifestyle but you have everything you need and you you know in a sense you're financially bulletproof so eventually I kind of graduated from the school of Dave Ramsey when I you know I realized hey I'm doing great at staying out of debt but what else is there and I stumbled on to the choose fi podcast Brad and Jonathan and man I I give them so much credit for my journey to financial independence because I I found their podcast when it was in its very early stages and I just fell in love with it I you know back to the back to your original question my why of financial independence and coastfi I feel like I really developed that um, by listening to Brad talk about the lifestyle he had built with his family, you know, and in one of his episodes, I heard him talking about how he can just walk his kids to school on a random Tuesday. And for some reason, I didn't even have kids at the time when I was listening to this, but for some reason that stuck with me that he has this beautiful lifestyle that he's built because he's optimized his finances and he can really do the things he wants to do in life. And for him, that's, you know, spending time with his family. And I don't know, that that really stuck with me, like I said, even before I had a family of my own. So, you know, along the way, so many things changed on my journey to CoastFi. And I met my wife probably around around that same time when I started listening to the Choose FI podcast. Um, and I was still working as an electrician at the time. And so I, I met my, she was my girlfriend at the time, but soon to be wife. And, you know, we have, we have so many things in common. It's, um, we share a lot of the same interests and hobbies, but one of the most interesting things that we had in common, and I think this was, this was rare for both of us, is we're naturally pretty frugal people. And, I mean, she was definitely the first partner that I had ever been with that that was pretty money savvy, and I think I was probably the same for her. But um, we kind of came together and realized, like, hey, we're both pretty good with money, and we've kind of got this finance thing figured out. And that was a big part of our journey to CoastFi as well. Is we made a lot of smart decisions in our kind of early to mid twenties that have really set us up for success now in our early thirties. Yeah, very good. And you know, Anders, I was only thinking about this the other day, the saving slash spending dynamic of a relationship. And really, there's only three types that fit into this dynamic, which is the first type being two savers, which it sounds like you and your wife are. And obviously, that's fairly optimal, particularly when it comes to somebody's fire journey. Then you have the second type, for example, my wife and I, where you'd have one saver, myself and a spender. And whilst that can cause friction at times. It's actually fairly good as well because in many cases she's made me spend more than I otherwise would have and she's probably helped me identify the differences between being cheap and being frugal. Cheap being that you try and save a buck at every opportunity and frugal being you buy for value. So for example previously I might have taken that 40-hour flight from New Zealand to Ireland to save maybe 100 or 200 euros or I could take the second flight which would take me 30 hours and while it might cost me 200 euros more the 10 hours saved makes that well worth it especially if that's 10 hours sitting on a long-haul aircraft. 
And of course, with this dynamic, my wife being the spender, she's definitely learnt to focus on her buying habits as well. And over the years of us working together and I guess getting to compromise, we've probably found a fairly good balance now when it comes to saving and spending. And then of course there's a third example which is suboptimal for the fire movement, which is when there's two spenders. And that can definitely be tricky to try and get some of these concepts. But look, this is either here or there when it comes to coast fire. Although getting that dynamic right from day one certainly does make a massive difference. But look, let's jump back to coast fire and there's actually one particular question. I only believe it or not, has had one question that I wanted to ask above all else. Because in my mind, you have done something that I just haven't had the mental capacity to do. And I want you to try and help me because I need help when it comes to this problem. And it's going to sound like a ridiculous problem, but here it is. I am currently working harder than I ever have. And in many ways, I feel the fire movement is probably the reason for that because I've been chasing the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. I came into the FIRE movement five years ago, and whilst initially I was quite keen to adopt a time-first, lifestyle-first approach, and I did work part-time back in 2018 and 2019, and really adopted a lot of the great things of the FIRE movement around the Coast FIRE concept and the Slow FIRE concept. But when COVID hit, work opportunities came and it meant that I had an opportunity to earn income at rates that I'd never been able to do before. And in many ways, I've sold out simply because I've traded my time for money. But the money is so good that I've somehow been able to justify that I've been doing that. And look, the results speak for themselves. We are currently saving after tax around 10,000 euros per month. So it's a huge, huge savings rate. And certainly in 2022, we put away around 120,000 euros. So in many ways, I'm justifying that in terms of being able to see the growth of my portfolio. And truth be told, if I were to stay on my current path, we should hit our FI number of around 800,000 euros in about three years time. I think it's one thing to jump from full throttle FI to semi-retirement or even retirement when you get close enough to that FI number. But I think it's a completely other ball game being able to jump when you hit a coast FI number, which can be significantly less than your full FI number. So I guess I'm looking for some sort of inspiration from you today because I'm in the situation where I just keep finding myself on this work harder path. And truth be told, I'm always in two minds because I'm always tempted by the slower, better life now path than constantly looking out for the future. And look, I know that there's a huge degree of balance when it comes to this stuff. As it is, if I were to say save only 5,000 euros per month, half of what I'm saving now, I'd still get to my full FI number within five years. So really adding an extra two years for a far better lifestyle now is probably worth it. But at what point do you decide and how did you manage to get yourself in a position when you said, yep, it's time. Let's move off this path of full FI, take the early exit, so to speak, and start enjoying life far more now knowing that you've still got a long way, in theory, to get to that full FI number. 
Right. No, that's a, it's a really great question and a great point that you bring up. That's, you know, it's a, it's not an easy decision to walk away from good work that pays you well, that, you know, maybe there's elements of it that you do really enjoy. It's hard to set that down and walk away and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to step away from this great career that I've built so that I can spend more time doing the things I love and just let my money grow and compound in the background. But um, maybe I can help by kind of taking a step into my headspace at the time. So I've really had kind of two big career changes in my life. So I went from working as an electrician. And like I said, I was, you know, I was in my early to mid 20s. And I was making a great salary. I was making right around $75,000 per year, which, you know, is not a tremendous amount of money. But for, for a young guy that is single and doesn't have a lot of big expenses, I didn't own a home, anything like that, it was a, it was a great amount of money. So I realized, you know, I love personal finance and I don't love this work I'm doing as an electrician. So what if I tried to do some sort of career pivot? So ultimately, I ended up taking a job as an entry level is an intern really at a wealth management firm. And I kid you not, I went from making $75,000 per year to making $7.25 per hour as an intern. I walked away from this amazing career as an electrician and I kid you not, people thought I was losing my mind. I was talking to friends that were like, why would you leave electrical, a good honest paying trade and try to go be a financial advisor where you're now making entry level wages almost it was almost nothing that I was earning but ultimately I had to do that for myself because the headspace I was in at the time I had started to lose purpose I was I was waking up every day and I kid you not I was going through the motions of life and I just felt I think it was burnout I didn't recognize it as that at the time but I honestly just felt a little bit depressed I wasn't I wasn't engaged with my work and, you know, and it was kind of, it was, it was flowing into other areas of my life. So my, my wife and I, we were dating at the time we were, you know, just girlfriend, boyfriend, and, and she, she could clearly see I was unhappy. And I really give her a lot of credit that she, she helped push me to take that leap of faith to, you know, switch careers to something that it was not going to pay me almost any money in the beginning, but she knew that I was passionate about finance and that this would be a better path for me long term. So, you know, again, we were we were living together at the time and she was working and because we were both frugal, we were able to make that transition and just live off of her income and then whatever I earned as an intern uh, in financial services, um, we were able to make that work because we had, you know, fairly modest lifestyle at that point. So that was really the first big transition. And I almost think in a way when I, you know, when I talk about this, it was like I was strengthening that muscle at the time, that ability to walk away from something that, you know, even though everybody else in my life thinks, hey, this is crazy to walk away from this good paying job. I knew deep in my heart that this was not lighting my fire to get up every day and work as an electrician. So I had to make a change. 
Um, so, so I think that really set me up for the next shift that I would make about three years later. So, so fast forward uh, three years in financial services, I had a lot of success. I, you know, I spent a couple years at that first firm and I quickly worked my way up and, and I was earning a decent wage, but I ended up finding a new financial planning startup. And I was really, really excited about this startup for a handful of reasons. Uh, number one, all the work was remote. So I knew, hey, if, if we want to live kind of a digital nomad lifestyle, we can do this with this new job. And then on top of that, it was the first financial planning firm that I had found that was going to work with everyday people just like myself. So traditionally in wealth management, you've got to have you know, somewhere between $250,000 to $500,000 or more to invest for a financial planner to work with you. But at this new startup, they were really marketing themselves to everyday Americans who, who could just pay a flat fee, uh, like a monthly, a monthly subscription fee for financial planning services. So I was incredibly excited about this opportunity uh, to work for the startup and kind of the cherry on top for me was they had some pretty amazing benefits. So um, unlimited PTO, which I think you'll see at a lot of places that, you know, as long as you're getting your work done, you can take off as much time as you need. A generous paternity leave. I think it was six weeks of paid paternity leave and, you know, great 401k with company match, all these different things. So long story short, I took this job for this financial planning startup and that started one of the most amazing but also hardest working years of my life. So I really loved the work I was doing, but I kid you not, I became a workaholic in the span of like 12 months. I really started burning the candle at both ends and I was working, you know, probably 50 to 60 hours a week. And I don't know that I actually took any days off in that 12 months with my uh, air quotes, unlimited PTO. So, um, I really found out that I had jumped into kind of this aggressive kind of workaholic environment. And, you know, unfortunately for me, I just fell right into it. I, I was hitting sales goals and I quickly got promoted and I was managing a team of sales reps and it kind of consumed my life for a, for a period of about 12 months. But something special happened uh, right towards the end of my time there where my daughter was born. So she was born in August of 2020, which also happened to be right in the middle of the global pandemic, which is pretty great time to kind of reevaluate your life and take a step back and say, holy cow, like where, where where have I ended up? You know, here's where I started and I had this goal of reaching financial independence, but somewhere along the way, I, I think I just got a little bit lost and a little bit caught up in my work. And I ended up taking the full six weeks of paternity leave. And I really feel like that was hitting the reset button in my life. So I, I took a step back and my wife and I got to spend all day, every day, together with our daughter for six weeks. And man, that, that gave me a taste of what financial independence could feel like. And it really helped me realize how kind of how far off of my ideal lifestyle path I had really gotten with this new job. So, um, ultimately, well, and this, this is the, the funny piece as well is right around that same time, 
it was this was really an alignment of the stars, but right around that same time, I heard on the Choose FI podcast, I heard Jess from the Pioneers come on and she was talking about Coast Fi. And this was the first time I had ever heard about Coast Fi. It was this was news to me. I was like, what is this new, you know, new strategy in financial independence? And anytime there's something new, I love reading and listening and just just figuring it out and seeing, hey, what is this thing all about? So um, you know, I heard her come on the the Choose FI podcast and and basically I heard her describe her situation that was fairly similar to mine. You know, she she had been working hard and ultimately was feeling burned out and she ended up actually taking a a leave from her job and it just felt so similar and and so many of the the same things that she had experienced I was experiencing in my life and ultimately it, it sparked a series of conversations between my wife and I where, you know, we we had been pursuing traditional fire and at the rate we were going, we were probably on track to reach full financial independence in, you know, conservatively, probably 10 years, but maybe five years if we were very aggressive and continued, you know, working and saving as, as much as we were. But this sparked a series of conversations for us where we, you know, we reevaluated everything and we said, Okay, let's let's explore what Coast Fire could look like for us. You know, what um, what could this mean for our lifestyle right now, and what could this allow us to do as parents, and and really to be as parents? Because one thing I realized during that six weeks of paternity leave is that I really enjoy spending time with my kid, and if I can get more time with my wife and my daughter, that is a successful life for me. So so really we went back to the drawing board and we calculated our coast fine number and because we had been saving so aggressively and working towards traditional fire, we realized as soon as we learned about coast fi that we had achieved coast fi. And I just feel like there was this huge weight lifted off of our shoulders at that time where, you know, I, I like to say we had already secured the retirement bag. Like we knew we could just hang out, work, cover our living expenses for the next few decades, and we'd still have a nice, cushy, traditional retirement. So that, I feel like, really freed up our options. And we just, we were able to look around at that point and say, okay, let's reassess and let's see what our ideal lifestyle could look like. Now, I knew after that six weeks of paternity that if I jumped back into that financial planning startup, I ran the risk of just becoming a full-blown workaholic for the rest of my career. So I kind of cautiously stepped back in and I had a, some really good conversations with my boss at the time. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for more flexibility than I've had so far. And I know I've had some success, but I, I don't know if I want to continue on this path. I would love to explore what it would look like to have a better work-life balance here. And to my boss's credit, he he really did everything he could to, you know, help me design a work-life balance that, that would be a better fit at that startup. But um, ultimately what I realized is it's hard to, to be the only one striving for work-life balance within this environment that you know, really rewards and praises hard work and dedication and extra hours and uh, reaching sales goals and all these different things. So, you know, um, this, this then took me down a path of trying to figure out, okay, if I were to leave my job at this financial planning startup, what could I do 
with the skills that I have to cover our living expenses and just start coasting to financial independence. So luckily again, you know, things just kind of happen and they, I I think things really fall into line how they're supposed to. But around that same time, I I saw an advertisement for seasonal tax prep. There was a, a big company here in the US that was hiring thousands and thousands of experts to come help prepare taxes for the tax season. So um, I had, you know, a couple of years of experience volunteering um, for a, a program called VITA to help uh, lower income families and households file their taxes for free. So I had done that for a few years in college. So I had a little bit of experience and I just went ahead. I went out on a limb and I applied for this position and um, ultimately landed a job as a seasonal tax preparer. And that gave me this peace of mind that I knew, okay, if I decide to step away from this job, at this startup, I can now pivot to seasonal tax prep. And if I just did that every year for the tax season and worked probably 30 to 40 hours a week, I could cover our living expenses for the year. Um, so that, that again, that gave us a lot of freedom and flexibility, you know, and, and ultimately fast forward to now, seasonal tax prep is just a part of how I earn my income for the year. I also I also do freelance writing. I've, I've found, uh, I originally started finding gigs on Upwork to write personal finance content for different blogs or uh, websites. But over time, I was able to find even more writing work within my own personal network with financial advisors. So I'm connected with a lot of different financial advisors on LinkedIn, and a lot of them need personal finance articles for their blog or website. They need that marketing material, but they either don't have the skills or frankly the time to write it themselves. So they're willing to pay somebody like me who has a background in financial planning to write those articles for them. So, you know, really long story short, I think the entire reason I was actually able to make that change, number one, I had done something similar earlier in my career. So I had really strengthened that muscle ahead of time where, you know, even if everybody thinks that I'm making the wrong decision and uh, people are trying to convince me that, hey, I don't know if this is right. I knew deep in my heart that this would be a better path long term for me and my family. So I had strengthened that muscle already once before. And then, you know, I, I have to give credit to our frugality. We we're not extremely frugal, but we live a fairly modest lifestyle. I mean, if you were, you know, if you were to come to our home, you wouldn't look at it and say, wow, this is just the most beautiful home. You also wouldn't say, man, this place is a dump, but it is, it is modest and it, it fits the lifestyle we want to live. It's not over the top, but it gives us a tremendous amount of freedom with how we want to spend our time because we're not sinking a bunch of money into our into our mortgage every month. So, and then on top of that, there was really the catalyst. I think I think there was that moment when my daughter was born where it just hit me that if I want to be the dad that I truly think I should be and that I think I can be, then that's going to take spending a lot of time with my daughter. And, you know, we've got a son that's on the way right now. He's going to be born in April. Um, So soon to be, you know, spending time with both my kids. But I realized, you know, traditional fire could give me that freedom and that flexibility eventually, but it was going to be another decade. I didn't want to 
continue down the same path that I was on for another 10 years and then turn around when my daughter is, you know, 10 years old and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm finally free to hang out. What do you want to do? We wouldn't have that relationship built at that point in time. So one thing I think we, you know, we kind of get backwards a little bit, kind of the traditional lifestyle is, is set up so that when your kids are young and in the house, you're working more than you ever will throughout your life. And then once they're grown and gone, you finally reach those kind of that golden age where you, you know, you retire and you start to have a little more freedom and flexibility in your life. I think we've honestly got it so flip-flopped backwards. I think as young parents, we should be doing everything we can to spend as much time as we can with our family and our kids while they're young and in the house and eventually you know like they're gonna move on with their lives they're gonna you know move out of the house and and go become adults out there in the world and maybe that's a better time for us to work a little harder if we have to or want to at that point but i've really realized part of the reason i love coast fi is because i think some of the most important work that i have to do in this life is to spend time with my kids and and be a good dad Uh, i'm choking up a little bit here i get Uh, I get a little emotional talking about it, but I just, I love being a dad so much. It's such a a beautiful journey that I'm on. And I think Coast Fire really lets me lean into that and and embrace it to the fullest. So, Yeah, brilliant, Anders. And look, I know you're recording this at about 9am your time. So it's probably not what you're expecting to be quite as emotional on a Tuesday. But hey, that's what the fire movement can do. And look, you're definitely right. Nobody ever says that they regretted spending too much time with their children when they were younger. I did the same myself when my youngest child was born. I was working part-time and it was great to feel like we were able to spend that much time together and it certainly paid dividends in future years. You know, I'm reflecting a little bit and I loved what you said, by the way. I mean, you really captured everything that's great about the Coast FI movement and why it's different to the traditional fire movement which can be extreme certainly when you look at it from a bigger picture but there's one thing that I wanted to touch on and I picked it up and I only picked it up because it's something I've experienced firsthand but it could be that somebody listening to this podcast today might go yonders look you are able to effectively pivot your career twice and somehow take effectively a 75% pay cut to do it and not everybody's going to be in that position and so I was kind of thinking about it while you were talking and I know for myself that our savings rate currently is well over 50%, closer to 75% plus at the minute. So it's extreme and as I mentioned, I'm working harder than I ever have before and I do plan and hope to cut back a little bit this year because I need to for my own mental sanity, I think. But at the same time, there's a a little known secret in the FIRE community that when you do focus on that savings rate and you do boost that savings rate up, that it does create all of these opportunities. And I have a feeling, and I don't know for a fact, but I have a feeling that at the time when you guys decided to cut back and you go and take seven bucks an hour in a career change, that you probably had a fairly high savings rate going into that. And that's what effectively allowed you guys to make that decision. You see, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're in the rat race, there's no opportunity to do that. However, as you boost your savings rate, you suddenly realize, well, hey, look, I don't have to work so hard because our lifestyle will still be exactly the same. The only difference will be that we won't be saving as quickly. And hey, look, I've already worked out that we don't need to save as quickly because I want to spend more time with my family now, or 
I'm happy to take a more longer run view of early retirement or maybe even dismiss early retirement and focus on a lifestyle first option. And that approach allows a person to effectively do what you've done and pivot twice in your career, but also focus on your young family because you've made that realization that this is the time where you want to have the best time freedom that you can have. And hey, look, maybe there's another decade there later down the line where you can finish off this fire thing to get that early retirement. So yeah, what do you think? Have I got this right? Thinking that maybe savings rate was a a big factor for you here? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a great question. And I think you're absolutely right. Like our savings rate gave us the freedom to even explore this as an option in the first place. So, you know, back when I made the pivot from working as an electrician to working in financial services, before I made that jump, our savings rate was about 50%. You know, my wife and I, we earned a similar income and we saved all of my wife's income. I'll never forget we had, we had a conversation at the time where I was kind of explaining what we could do. I said, you know, this would be a little bit radical, but we could save all of your income if we wanted to. And, you know, she's not as much of a money nerd as me. So she was like, I don't know. That sounds crazy. I literally don't know anybody who's doing anything like that. Um, Is that even, you know, is that possible? Is that even a good idea? And I'll never forget, we were, we were laying on the ground in our living room at the time and I had a piece of paper out and I was drawing a picture and I said, okay, honey, here's what happens. If we save all of your income, I wrote down, here is the tax devil. I said, okay, if we save all of your income, if we contribute it into retirement accounts, we are going to avoid this tax devil. We are going to completely avoid it. We're not going to pay any taxes right now on this money that we can contribute to retirement plans. I'll never forget that conversation. And I think you're absolutely right. Like the fact that we have been able to keep our our wants modest, you know, I like I said, we do not we do not live this very extremely frugal lifestyle where we only eat rice and beans. Like to to outsiders, we live uh, what seems like a fairly lavish lifestyle. You know, we travel a lot, but again, we do these things frugally and mindfully and, and we're not afraid to cut back on the areas that we really just don't care about. Like for example, most of our clothes we buy used. We buy them secondhand because to us, it doesn't matter if something's brand new or used. We actually prefer to buy it used because it's better for our wallet and it's better for the environment. And I love stuff like that. So, you know, when when we ultimately decided to downshift to coasting, at that time, my wife had become a full-time stay-at-home mom. So we were only living off of my income, but even then we were saving. It was probably close to 50% of my income at the time. So we really looked at it and said, man, we only need to earn about 50 to $60,000 per year to cover our living expenses. We were so fortunate that we hadn't inflated our lifestyle to match my income at the financial planning startup. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it gave us the opportunity to even look at CoastFi as an option because we had such a high savings rate that if we decided we're not gonna save anymore, that reduces our income needs by that savings rate. So it's essentially, it was cutting it in half and saying, okay, we don't need to earn that extra half because we've decided we don't want to save while we're coasting to financial independence. And and then a, a kind of a quick note on that. I think 
one thing people get really hung up on with Coastify is they think, okay, what what happens if I stop saving altogether? And, you know, what if the stock market just, what if it goes kaput? You know, like it's been, it's been earning 10% per year for the last, who knows what, 40 years, 50 years. But what if the next 40 or 50 years aren't so great? Like what if that's cut in half? And if I'm not saving, what if I'm off track to even reach my CoastFi goals? So, you know, I think the big thing people need to realize is CoastFi just means that savings is optional. That doesn't mean that you cannot save money while coasting to financial independence. If if that is a security blanket for you to be able to coast and you still want to contribute a certain amount per year, nobody says you can't do that. There are no true rules when you're designing a custom FI strategy that works for your lifestyle. So, you know, for, for my wife and I, we originally mapped it out to say, okay, if we start coasting to financial independence, we'll reach a kind of cushy traditional retirement in our early 60s. And that's if we never saved another dime. And we built it that way because in the beginning, I truly didn't know what my income was going to be like if I was working as a seasonal tax preparer and freelancing as well. I didn't know how much I would be able to make, but I've been able to find some success in my work, especially as a freelancer. And that has given us the ability to still save a certain amount per year that we're we're still contributing to some retirement accounts and you know and one of the things that's important for us is to set our daughter up for success in the future when she wants to go to college we want to cover part or all of that cost so we save in 529 plans as well for our daughter to go to college so um, I guess the point is like we don't want to get too hung up on you know the quote unquote rules of each financial independence strategy just because savings is optional with CoastFi doesn't mean you can't save. And, you know, especially if you're worried about a lost decade in the markets, just save a little bit more and kind of relieve yourself of that that worry and that concern. And and then who knows, maybe if there's not a lost decade and things go a little bit better than you had planned, then you reach your ultimate financial independence date sooner than you thought. But I think really, you know, the goal with all of this is hopefully someday when you reach full financial independence, you don't feel the need to change one single thing about your life because you've built such a beautiful life before ever getting there. So I think, you know, at a high level, that's the goal with all of this is just build a life you love right now and don't worry too much about reaching your total financial independence number. Just lean into the flexibility and freedom right now because at the end of the day, the only time that we have guaranteed is today. We honestly, we have no clue if we'll be here tomorrow or the next day or the next. And and that's not to say that we should just blow up our financial plans altogether and YOLO it all to the moon and just live for the moment. But I do think we need to be very aware that today is guaranteed, but the future is not. So um, really leaning into the present moment and especially with young kids, it's for me, it just feels like a no-brainer that I've got young kids in the house and I want to do everything I can to spend as much time as possible while they're, while they're in the house. So yeah, hopefully that answers, answers your uh, question, Michael. Oh, wonders. I knew you were going to add to that well, and you did. And I love, I love what you said about this concept that put yourself into a position where savings is optional. Plan for not making any future contributions. And then anything that you do find that you do add is obviously just a bonus. And look, you've definitely given me plenty to think about. 
So yeah, again, thank you so much. It's It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. And before we wrap up, I know that you have a new blog and a new podcast. So I've no doubt that anyone listening today would love to keep in touch and hear more from you. How can somebody continue to hear more about your journey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before I before I wrap up, this has just been so fun, Michael. Thank you for having me. I think we need to do this again. This is, you know, for me, first time as a guest on someone's podcast, but man, I'm definitely going to do it again because it's just been such a treat just kind of chatting and, you know, discussing Coast Vi and, and just financial independence and really just life in general. But yeah, for anybody that you know, wants to follow my work, wants to see what I'm up to, wants to, you know, hear more about CoastFi. I've just launched my website, which is coastfiguy.com. That's probably the best way to connect with me. And you'll see on my website, you can obviously subscribe to my, my newsletter, which is Typically, one time per week, I'll send out an email that's, it's just, you know, what's going on in the Coastify world and different tips or strategies or, you know, ways that you can really lean into freedom and flexibility now and instead of 10 years from now. And then I've also just launched my own podcast. I've only got a couple of episodes up at this point, but uh, the plan is to do one a week and, and really just continue fleshing out this Coastfy idea. But that is the Coastfy podcast. And you can you can find that on you know Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So um, either of those are probably the best way to connect with me. And then um, I'm all over social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, just look me up by my full name or the Coastfy guy either should pull me up. So any of those places is great. And, you know, I, I really love getting feedback from people. So if you've ever got any specific questions about Coastfy or, you know, or a particular idea that you want to hear kind of fleshed out, I, I love getting that kind of content and feedback from, from listeners. So that's probably the best way for people to connect with me. Ah, oh, thanks, Anders. And I'll be sure to link all of those platforms and other various ways to contact you in the show notes. But look, all I can say is thank you. And let's definitely, definitely do this again. Love it. Yeah, this has been so fun.